Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. That means your priorities are Vanguard's too. So whether you're planning for retirement or trying to save up for your next big adventure, Vanguard will work alongside you to set personalized investment goals. That's the value of ownership. All investing is subject to risk. Vanguard is owned by its funds, which are owned by Vanguard's fund shareholder clients. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor. Welcome to the In The Pen Podcast, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. My name is Jake Crumpler, and I am joined as always by Rick Graham. Rick, how are you doing this week? I'm doing good, doing well, you know, happy to be back after a, a missed week, but um, yeah, excited to, to get back into the swing of things here. Awesome. Yeah, we missed you last week, but now we've got Callan missing this week, so I'll be hosting. I know it's going to be hard for the regulars to hear my voice as often as uh, Callan's beautiful voice is usually there, but I, I think they'll be able to survive one episode. But uh, this week, we've got uh, an interesting bit of stuff that we're going to talk over, mostly uh, the regular stuff, three up, three down, some injuries, news and notes, and then we're just going to look at some uh, leaderboards in terms of how relievers are doing in a bunch of different statistics. So we should get a, a few interesting names that pop up here and there that we can discuss in depth and hopefully find some uh, diamonds in the rough as well as identifying the guys that you can sort of trust throughout the season and maybe some guys mm. who are untrustworthy in sort of that that same fashion. So as always, we're going to kick it off with the injuries and transactions from around the league. And it's the unfortunate reality that Pete Fairbanks has once again hit the <laughs> IL. He's on the 15-day IL with left hip inflammation. Rick, do you have any information on this? How long do you expect him to mm. be out? Who's going to fill in? Is this like sort of a death sentence for him now that it's the second time already and he's a guy with a very extensive injury history? It's, I mean, I, I can hear the, the Callan just you know, visibly upset right now, wherever, wherever he is <laughs> tonight. But, um, um, it's so weird because it's, it's not like when I first heard that he was, you know, coming out from the bullpen with the trainer, I'm like, oh, it's got to be like an arm thing or, mm-hmm. you know, something didn't feel right in his arm and it ended up being his hip, which I, I don't know if that's something he's had in in his history. It just seems like the every little like there's just every sort of injury has happened to him, and it's it's just um, you know, the hip injury in itself doesn't. It seems like it's fairly mild, but the fact that he just can't keep all like there's always something going on. It just seems like, and it's you know, time. You know, Jason Adam has been a little bit. He's he's been a little rough this this month. But when when he was filling in for him, he had seven saves and pitched well in the closer role. So, um, as far as you know, saves only leagues go. Yeah, it might. If you if you have the the IL spot to hold on to Fairbanks, obviously, it's worth it's worth a shot. But if if you're 
if you don't have an IL spot, if he's just like burning a roster spot right now, I I don't think you have to you have to hold on at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's pretty clear that Jason Adam is going to be filling in as the closer. Though since uh, Fairbanks hit the IL, I think the two saves since then have been split between Adam and Jalen Beeks. Mm-hmm. Is that you why you have him so low in your rankings at yeah, uh, at twenty three? Yeah, it's, you know, Adam hasn't been as good as he was last year. And yeah, it's still, while he did see the bulk of the save chances the last time Fairbanks was on the IL, it's, um, yeah, it's still the raise. And I just want to see how things play out there because they do like, you know, mixing and matching. And they have those lefties who are not very good, but they're, you know, they still like to use them in, in save situations, you know, Beaks, Poche, and, um. Yeah, I, I just don't think Adam is really. You know, even when Fairbanks came back, I just uh, this bullpen isn't really intriguing to me right now. With um, just the way those those two guys were war pitching or are pitching, mm-hmm. and just the whole raiseness of it. Yeah, that's very fair. So. I, I think there's definitely some opportunity for him to move up the ranks in general if he sort yeah. of. It's it's clear that he's the go to guy, but you know, considering the Rays' history and considering that uh, Jason Adams not really at the same level he was at last year when he was like in the running for top five reliever in baseball, I, I think mm-hmm. it's fair that he needs to needs to have some room to grow in terms of rankings. Um, we also saw two other guys hit the IL with very similar injuries. They're both setup men's setup men on good teams, and that's Luis Garcia of the Padres hitting the 15-day IL with a left oblique strain, and Matt Moore hitting the same day IL with a right oblique strain. What is what are the what what's impacted here? I mean, clearly the hold situation is going to be the thing that changes most here, but I, I think both of these teams have a lack of depth in their mm-hmm. bullpen and I'm wondering who's going to be the first guy to step up because I think Matt Moore was the top guy in Anaheim and Luis Garcia was up there with like Steven Wilson and Nick Martinez so who do you think is the biggest benefactor in both of these bullpens yeah Moore is definitely a bigger loss I think because he he was the, the guy in front of Estevez and uh you know oblique strains are tricky they're no fun they're you know 15 they're never a minimum il stint stay for the most part so um this is gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what the angels do i think yeah if the padres it's it's still they still have nick martinez and steven wilson um but it does it does really thin out after those two guys and then the angels you know obviously they called up and joyce um mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get to that a little bit more later but um. Yeah, none of you know Tapera and Loop just did not work out. They're not pitching well mm-hmm. this year. It, it's it's really not even on the team anymore. Yeah, they th- those guys. And I mean, I can't imagine Aaron Loop's going to be around for much longer either. So mm-hmm. you know, they're calling up not just Joyce but Sam Bachman. They're, they're calling. You know, mm-hmm. they're going with these these rookies from Double A just to kind of you know hope that they can fill innings. And at some point, you got to think that they're gonna you know, have to go out and make a move, even if it's a minor move, just to get like a major league decent arm in that bullpen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it does op- it does open up an opportunity for someone like Ben Joyce if he can um, you know, stay healthy and throw strikes. 
For sure. And then I think it also in L.A., it makes a lot of room for Chris Devensky to sort of be that top yes, veteran guy yeah. there because he's been quietly having his best season ever, especially if you look at ERA estimators like XFIP. He's at 2.80, which would be a career best. He's done that across 16 and two-thirds innings. He's pumping 94 miles per hour. He's getting really lucky. He's got a 179 BABIP, but like I said, that XFIP sort of supports that. Is this mm-hmm. some guy that you in safe plus holds leagues are looking for? He has yet to walk anybody yet as, as well. Yeah, I um, you know, now looking through some of the numbers we're going to talk about later and like he's on a lot of these leaderboards and I, mm. I, I probably, you know, it's 16 inning sample size after all that we like, he hasn't really been uh valuable anywhere since like what was mm-hmm. it 2019, so <laughs> I'm a little bit sc- <laughs> maybe 18 yeah, 18 17. I it's um a little bit skittish, but yeah, I mean the numbers back up what he's he's been doing. So uh, I, I think yeah, you know if he puts up another really good week here, I think he'll jump up a lot in the rankings and the holds rankings next week. Um, but yeah, it's I, I think he, you know, I'm sure they'll trust him over Ben Joyce at this point. So yeah, he's mm-hmm. probably the top the top holds guy at the moment. That's fair. And then uh, in San Diego, just diving a little deeper. I mean, I think Steven Wilson and Nick Martinez are obvious risers, but Tom Cosgrove is sort of an interesting name right now. He's gone nine scoreless innings throughout his to start his career. Is that somebody that you're putting on your radar as somebody that if they continue the success that he's been having, is that somebody you're going to be adding on to the whole drinking sometime soon? Yeah, uh, definitely could be. I mean, he, it's it's an intriguing, um, intriguing arm. I I think yeah. I mean, they're so banged up right now that he might work his way because you know usually typically just three three or so guys, especially on a good team. Mm-hmm. Considering I'll consider the Padres a good team, even though they're you know haven't really hit their stride yet. But yeah, you know, three you can usually depend on three guys and holds leagues. So yeah, he could sneak into you know behind Martinez and. Um, and why am I playing Steven Wilson? He could probably sneak mm-hmm. into to you know some some holds relevance, and you know even if he just keeps pitching this well, he's definitely got some value and mm-hmm. um in leagues because yeah, the we'll, we'll take the ratios. Yeah, for those that don't know, Cosgrove is a 26 year old lefty that relies on his slider 60 percent of the time. It's a pretty good one, but uh. I think he'll need a larger sample size to convince both of us that mm. he's somebody that's going to be interesting in a wide array of leagues. But those are the only three injuries we have. So we can move to the transactions. And this is where things get a lot more positive. As we saw Liam Hendricks return for the White Sox. He was activated from the 15-day IL after a long fight with lymphoma. It's great to see him back. Where does he land on your rankings immediately now that he's back? So this is a tough one because I had him a little bit higher and then I, you know, I watched the inning he pitched and mm-hmm. the velos down and it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's kind of to be expected. Um, and I do wonder if, you know, I love that he's back. I love that. Like he, he's just such a great energy. Just like, I mm-hmm. love everything about him. Wonder if it might've been pushed a little bit too quickly because there wasn't much of a ramp up period. I mean, he, yeah. He had a couple, I don't know, every, you know, originally the timetable was like sometime in June or like early July. And now it's, you know, late May and he's already back, which is great. But 
yeah, I think we just got to be patient with him. So I have him at 12 right now because, you know, I don't want to push him down too far because of what the upside is there. Mm-hmm. If, if he's right. And I, you know, I think he is, you know, essentially an RP one for, you know, for a team. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be tricky. The next couple of weeks, you know, just something to monitor with him is, you know, obviously velocity command, um, just, you know, ability to pick pitch back to back days. If, if all that stuff starts trending in the right direction, then he'll probably keep moving up and get back into the top five or six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that top 10 is really hard to crack right now. I mean, if Camilo is, Duvall yeah. is, is outside of it, then <laughs> it's going to be pretty tough for anybody to jump in there. But Another transaction we had was uh, one that you hinted at, and that was Sam Bachman and Ben Joyce being selected from the minors by the Angels. Both of these guys are top prospects on the team. Joyce was drafted just last year and did not pitch too much in the minors, considering he's a reliever, right? So he doesn't get as many options, but it took a while for... uh, It didn't take long for him to make his Mm. debut. The guy throws... 100 miles per hour with ease. He was the team's number nine prospect, according to MLB Pipeline. And then you have Bachman, who's the team's number four prospect, according to MLB Pipeline. And that's a guy who's come up as a starter, but the team is currently rocking like a six-man rotation and and Bachman couldn't crack that. So he's going to come up and be a reliever. And so far, he's only pitched a couple of games, but I, I think they'll both be interesting and in different kinds of ways. I think with the way that the... Angels bullpen is right now. I don't think Joyce is going to be factoring into saves, but he mm-hmm. could be a really great holds option. And then Bachman sort of has that ability to go multiple innings, which I love in a multitude of leagues. So who is more interesting for you right now? Who's somebody that you're looking to pick up and how fantasy relevant do you think either of these guys can be? Yeah. I mean, they also called up a while ago, Chase Silseth, another one of their mm-hmm. top prospects. So it's just, yeah, they're just kind of throwing these prospects at a wall at the, at the kind of like what the angels do in a way too, as well. And the angels have had success or not angels, the, the Braves. <laughs> the Braves. Like, that's what we're talking yeah, about. We're talking about the, yeah, the Braves, you know, they've been doing that too. And it's had some, they've mm-hmm. had success with it. So, um, I think, you know, I, if you're in a holds league, uh, I'm going with Joyce because I think there's going to be more holds opportunities there for him. I think with Bachman, uh, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, he only he threw 47 pitches his first time out and then 11. It's it's so it's, uh, you know, I, I think he'll probably settle into some like one kind of a long man role for them, um, which might not have much opportunity for, you know, saves or holds. But um mm-hmm. There could be some, yeah. He, he he's he's got some interesting. He's got a good slider, uh, pit and sinker. You know, he's got a good pitch mix. It's just what the role is. What's what's the role going to be? And yeah, it, I thought he was going to get called up to to be in the starting rotation. To you yeah. know, they have a couple questionable pieces at the back end of the rotation right now. So, um, I think Joyce is the safer holds option just mm-hmm. because of the role. He's always he's always been a reliever and. Yeah, I, I still have, you know, I, everyone's hyped up about him and I get it. He throws 105, but it's yeah. just, you know, he walked 13 guys in 15 and two thirds innings this year at double A and he's thrown a total of 82 innings in six years. It's just, you know, let's just just be careful. But like there, there's obviously a ton of upside there with, you know, his stuff. Mm hmm. 
Yeah, he averaged 101 miles per hour on his heater in his debut, and that was pretty incredible. Definitely big fastball. I think he's got the clear better skills and will probably have the more immediate success. But yeah, you're right about the control. So we'll have to see him keep the ball in the zone, but definitely a guy that that could quickly become a household name just with how hard he throws. But We've seen guys that throw that hard not have success, namely Jordan Hicks in in St. Louis. Throws super hard. He's increased his velocity this year, and he's gotten worse. So I think it's it's really important to get the ball in the zone. Velocity isn't everything, and considering he threw his fastball like ninety percent of the time in his debut outing, mm. there's there's a bit of work to do. But both of these guys are super young. I think they've got bright futures. Whether or not that that that. Whether or not that happens this year is yet to be seen. Joyce is just 22, Bachman's 23. So I, I think it's it's fun having this youth movement in the Angels uh, pitching staff, but whether or not it's going to be successful, uh, only time will tell. We, we also had another young, young guy get called up, and that's for the Braves. A.J. Smith Shaver was selected from the minors as well, and this is a guy who's flown through the minors, and he's – put right into the bullpen, which is interesting because he came up as a starter Mm -hmm. as well. And I, I don't know much about him, but I know that he's just flown through the minor leagues this year. I mean, he debuted, I think he was drafted in 2021 and he's already about to make his major league debut. Is this somebody that, that ends up being fantasy relevant? Like I, I know they've got Iglesias there, but it's, they, they have so many options in that bullpen, but it doesn't seem like anybody really mm-hmm. stands out, especially with Minter struggling so much. Yeah, there's definitely, a, I mean, there's definitely a path here. And when you, you know, according to, you know, scouting reports, he's a, you, you know, he's got two really good pitches and, um, you know, so that, that checks out as a, as a potential relief ace for, um, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. Cause yeah, I, I think there, Minter has been bad, but he's, been a little unlucky and I, yeah. I, I don't think they've lost faith in him yet and you know nick anderson's been pitching well i don't it's gonna be interesting to see how they use him because i think there's a you know just kind of like with bachman there's a chance he can um you know be a long long reliever mm-hmm. or you know I, I don't think he's like the type of impact arm like strider was when strider started out in the bullpen for them last year but i i think he could be a you know a multiple inning um, you know, weapon for them who probably again probably doesn't really, you know, doesn't give you a ton of value in holds leagues, but uh, it's something to definitely keep an eye on with how well he's pitched this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has he has been dominant at every level, and they're confident enough that he can, you know, keep getting outs at this at the major league level after you know just two years in the minors. So we'll we'll see. But I, I was tempted to put him on the list, I just don't know. There's a, I mean, that rotation is also, you know, a little dicey at the moment with, you know, Schuster has been pitching better, but he, you know, didn't really look good to begin the season. Is he going to stay in there? Mm-hmm. Um, Soroka coming back. So, yeah, it's 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 someone to keep an eye on. I don't think it's an immediate ad, but, you know, obviously, if you're in like dynasty leagues, he's he's worth worth rostering there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I I love these guys that can go multiple innings, super great in points leagues, always really good in my home league where starts are limited. So that's somebody I'll be watching, especially because, like you said, he was so incredible in the minors through 
high A and double A this year. He had five starts there. He did not give up a run across 21 innings. And then across 12 innings at triple A, he had a three ERA and he was striking out a lot of batters as well. And he is the number is he's the team's number four prospect according to MLB pipeline. And the craziest part, if you thought uh, Bachman and Joyce were young at 22, hmm. 23 and 22 respectively, <laughs> Smith Shaver is 20. So uh, yeah, he, he's got a lot of room to grow. I'm sure they'll take it easy on him this year, but it'll be interesting to see what he looks like in his debut i'd love to get some stat cast numbers on him mm-hmm, for sure yep and uh then we had a few of some returnees uh mostly minor guys not anybody that's going to shake things up massively but some interesting uh re-additions to major league squads and that's keegan aiken of the orioles he was recalled from the minors he was demoted earlier this year but he was actually pretty solid in triple a we saw luke jackson get activated from the 16 60 day il with the giants he had uh tommy john surgery and he is now back and then tommy conley of the yankees was activated from the 60 day il as well he had right biceps tendonitis so it's cool to see all of these guys back for different reasons but uh who do you have the most interest in safe plus holds leagues uh definitely conley especially with the yankees bullpen being a bit in shambles with multiple injuries and Mm -hmm. just um but he's another one of those he's he's always injured there's there's a lot going on there um you know the bicep bicep tendonitis is scary and he had a couple setbacks and you know, he, he made it through his rehab. Hopefully he's okay. But um, I, you know, I, I think he's worth a shot if you're, you know, I think I put him at 25 today, mm-hmm. inserting him back into the holds list. Um, there's definitely, you know, if Clay Holmes continues to be, you know, Jekyll and Hyde, uh, it, there's a chance Conley could be the guy they turn to. They trust in a, in a save, save role. So he, he's not, you know someone to just completely forget about and save leagues where the other two, I don't think, you know, Jackson's it's nice to see him back. He's had some success. I don't, you know, that, I don't know where he fits in with the giants bullpen right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Aiken, it's another, you know, that's a tough, there's a tough, you know, bullpen to get into the saves and holds mix. in. so um, not, not too much interest there, but yeah, Conley, definitely, definitely someone to keep an eye on if he's healthy. Yeah, agreed. I think uh, for Jackson, he was pretty interesting. I think it's easy to forget how good he was before he had surgery because he was pitching on a team with such a deep bullpen and we haven't seen him since 2021 in 2019. He struck out uh 34% of batters. And in 2021, he had a sub two ERA across 63 innings. So he's definitely got something in his arm and he's still pumping 95 even after returning from Tommy John surgery. So there's that. And then Keegan Aiken, like I said, got demoted to the minors, but at triple a seven inning sample size, but he struck out 59% of that. So, I mean, I think that's, that's pretty notable, especially for a guy that never really was a big strikeout guy. I doubt that carries over, but it's good to see him sort of go down there, get his head right and get back. I mean, he was, he was definitely a guy that was rostered in a lot of holds leagues last year. So I wouldn't count him out. He's a pitch. He's a PLV darling as well. So definitely somebody yeah. to uh, at least put near your watch list, put on the, the watch list for your watch list right now. Um, but yeah, that'll, that'll wrap up our news and, uh, surrounding the injuries and transactions for relievers. And before we head over and look at the guys that are rising and falling in your closer ranks, we're going to take a quick break. 
And we're back on the In The Pen podcast. Jake Crumpler here with Rick Graham. It's time to talk about Closing Time, Rick's weekly article where he ranks the top 30 closers in baseball. And as always, we're going to look at the three pitchers that are rising up the ranks and the three pitchers that are falling up the ranks. We'll start with the positive. Rick, who's the first guy that you would like to talk about rising up your ranks? Um, yeah, I mean, I think no one really rose up this week. So we'll, we'll go with some of the new guys on the list. And, you know, Liam Hendricks, obviously not a great debut, but just, you know, it's great to have him back. Um, I, I still, you know, I'm not ready to write him off after one, one outing. Obviously, it's going to take some time, but he's been a better option than, you know, they've been using Joe Kelly, Kendall Graveman, uh, you know, Reynaldo Lopez at the beginning of the year, which we were high on. Kenyon, Keenan Middleton. I mean, they've been using all sorts of guys mm-hmm. to close out games. So it's nice to just have some continuity here with Hendricks yes. back. And I, I, this bullpen, you know, if everything kind of this is, could be a sneaky good bullpen, they're going to need to to kind of rely on this bullpen if they want to get back into the playoff picture, probably. But there's there's some good pieces here, and you know, Middleton's a guy I definitely want to talk about later when we get into some of these you know stat cast numbers. So. But Hendricks, yeah, definitely glad to see him back. And, you know, he if he's still out there, he's he's worth a look in pretty much all leagues, I would say, at this point. Me too. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to see him back on for a number of reasons, but also it finally puts an end to uh, all the Reynaldo Lopez hype that <laughs> sort of surrounded our whole preseason and the first uh, podcast of the year. I mean, th- those are fun times, fun times to reminisce on. I, I still remember so clearly on opening day when Reynaldo <laughs> Lopez came on and was throwing 100 miles per hour. And now he sits with a 5.63 ERA. Uh. Super unfortunate. But yeah, like like you said, glad to see Hendricks back. We got that continuity. We don't really have to speculate here anymore. And maybe that will bring stability to the rest of the bullpen as well now that everybody sort of knows their role. Um, in terms of other guys that are moving up, I think Jason Adam is a pretty clear one. We sort of talked about him with Fairbanks hitting the IL. Adam is the clear front runner to be the closer with Fairbanks on the IL. He was the closer when Fairbanks was gone, and they really actually sort of used him in a strict closer role which was cool to see i'm not sure if they'll do that going forward but like you said this bullpen is not as good as it has been in years past it's Mm -hmm. really made up a bunch of misfits right now um i'm not totally sure he's gonna be the clear-cut closer or the guy that they turn to in every ninth inning i mean they they definitely won't i can i can almost guarantee that since it's the Rays. but this is a guy that's been proven to be one of the best relievers in baseball over the past two years and even if he doesn't get all of the saves, I think he'll get the majority of them. And, you know, with Fairbanks fallen, Adam's going to rise up those ranks because the Rays are actually the best team in baseball. So that's a pretty good place to be the closer. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, you know, once we, once we get a little bit more, you know, sample size with usage with Fairbanks out, he'll definitely be rising up the ranks as long as he's pitching, you know, pitching well. Mm-hmm. All right. And then we got one more rising up of the ranks. And who is that? Um, so this is a, this is, this is one, you know, Craig Kimbrell. I think he moved up what two spots, three spots. It's a big um, jump. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, Alvarado's getting, you know, he's working his way back. He's starting his rehab assignment. I, what do you, I mean, he was so dominant before he got hurt, but, Kimbrell has been pitching really well lately. Um, 
and you know he's is this, this is a situation where like don't don't change you know Kimbrel's working out well in the, in the closer role do we want to really take him out of there maybe alvarado comes back and is the setup guy um or you know it's a tough situation to read because alvarado obviously like i said was probably the best reliever in baseball before he got hurt so you know Kimbrel's 5.85 era and 1.3 whip shouldn't just you know, keep him out of that role for that reason alone. But I, I think we've we've talked about how Kimbrel's better as a closer. Mm-hmm. Just he's but he's just pitches better in the in when it's a save situation. Whatever reason, you know, it just is what it is at this point. Um, and you know, he he's not back to his old self, but he's got a thirty eight point six percent strikeout rate, which yeah. is good for you know that's top ten in the league. He um he, he his stuff still still there. It's still hanging on. So I. I just see yeah, I it'll be interesting to see. I, I, I'm, you know, I want to move him up more, but I don't know what's going to happen when Alvarado returns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's that's really fair points. I think it's important to understand that yes, the strikeouts are back and stuff, but he's not completely the old Kimbrel. But it does look mm-hmm. like he's finally getting comfortable in that role. Like you said, he has been much better recently since May 9th. He's tossed eight innings and he struck out 15 batters with just two walks and he's allowed just two earned runs in that time. One of them coming on a solo, both of them coming on solo home runs. Mm -hmm. So I I think it's cool to see him back. Really fair point that even when Alvarado comes back, if you have Kimbrell being solid in that closer role and that's his, that's where he's best. Like he's been in years past. It makes yeah. the bullpen stronger if you can use Alvarado elsewhere and just have Kimbrel as the closer. So I think uh, that'll definitely be something to watch when Alvarado does eventually make it back in a couple of weeks or so. And I, I think that's that's fair that, that Kimbrel is rising. But as relievers rise up the ranks, that means others have to fall. Who's somebody that's falling down the ranks for you this week? Uh, Ryan Helsley again. It's, it, it's, it's frustrating. It's just been really frustrating to if anyone you know drafted him in the top 100 this year i feel sorry i feel bad for you because it's he's not he's pitching well it's just he's not mm-hmm. you know he's just not getting saves he it's you know gagos is now tied with him for saves and he has more gagos has more saves than helsley this month it's um mm-hmm. it's a little bit of bad luck i know there's been some you know extra inning games in there and whatnot but it it's still you know to see Helsley pitch better than Gallegos in the month of May yet come away with less saves it's it's yeah it's frustrating if you took him in the top 100 and we're expecting you know 20 plus saves from him this year because you know you probably should have that was that was that if someone said he was going to get more than 21 saves this year and I don't think anyone would say you're crazy so it's it's yeah. it's definitely definitely hurts to hit what his role has turned out to be and and not only that but he hasn't been at, and he's been good. He hasn't been as dominant as last yeah. year too. So it's not like you're rostering at least, you know, a dominant ratio and strikeout guy. He's just been, he's been good. Just not, you know, not necessarily a must roster, or, you know, reliever in like 10 team leagues right now. Mm-hmm. I, I think 20 saves isn't out of the question yet, but that ceiling mm-hmm. of 30 saves that was sort of hinted at before the season definitely seems out of reach right now. Gallegos actually has more saves than Helsley right now by one, which yeah. is pretty crazy. But yeah, like you said, Helsley has really, I would, I don't want to say fallen off, but compared to the precedent that he sent last year, uh, it's, it's 
been quite a fall. He had a one two five ERA last year. He's way more than double that at three point five this year, and the strikeouts are way down as well. The velocity is still the same, so that's something interesting. But I think, I think they just got the book on him. His strikeout rate mm-hmm. has fallen almost. 10% while the walk rate has risen. So he's gone from a strikeout to minus walk rate of 31% last year to sub 19% this year, which that's a huge drop. And that's led to a jump in whip, which was at 0.74 last year and is up to 1.26. So just across the board, worst pitcher, not getting as many saves. It's cool that like he's at least splitting the role. Cause I could definitely see a situation where they were like, uh, no, actually gay guy is more trustworthy. We're just going to have him be the closer, <laughs> but they, they do seem to sort of play some games sometimes where they'll bring him out in the eighth and it's like, are they using them to set up? And it's like, no, they want him to do the two inning thing. And then he sort of yeah. s- gets mashed in the ninth inning and then they end up turning to Gallegos anyway. So I don't know. I I've been really questioning a lot of the Cardinals moves this year. So I mean, can sort of blame it on that, but yeah, it does seem like the book is out on Helsley. He's not as not having as much, much success as he did last year. And Gallegos is just being his, normal trustworthy Mm -hmm. self so you you can't really blame the cardinals for turning to him too much um another guy falling down the ranks is uh david robertson in new york while he has gotten the team's last two saves they have been spreading it out a lot more i mean we've seen adam adovino steal the occasional save he's at five right now with robertson at 10 but also brooks raley and drew smith come in and and grab saves every once in a while they each have one so it does seem like things are spread out right now we're not really speculating about edwin diaz yet though we did see a report today that he's gonna he's aiming for a late season return whether that means september or august is yet to be seen right now i mean robertson hasn't been bad he's actually been really good sub 1.5 era (laughs) but he's not getting all the saves and that's really the uh that's really the, the the only thing that's dragging him down right now yeah, it's. I mean, I, this article came out on Tuesday, and then what? It's mm-hmm. been two days, and he's got two saves over the yeah, past two right. days. Bad luck. So, um, but <laughs> before, long. but if we want to just go back to before Tuesday, the logic sure. was, you know, he only had Robinson only had three saves in the month of May. So, you know, Ottav- Robinson had three saves in May. Ottavino had two. Rayleigh and Smith had one each. So it's like you know. Again, just kind of like with Helsley, if he, if he's not the full time closer, it, it, Robertson's good. He's gonna he's not gonna hurt your ratios, but it, it's not like a guy that you feel like you have to roster if he's not mm-hmm. the full time closer there. But it's good to see him. Yeah, it's good to see back to back saves from him. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't think that means that he's just you know, oh, he's the closer now. Adovino's not going to get any more chances. No, it's it's still going to be you know, Bucks still going to play these games with these these two and i think Rayleigh will continue to mix in as well so um continuing headaches for you know mm-hmm. new york mets reliever uh managers uh are coming i'm, I'm sure yeah and I, I think it's pretty clear that they are okay using him in a high leverage role i mean like i was yeah. saying about helsley sometimes they'll bring him in into the eighth yeah. but they're they're looking for the two inning save, but when Robertson comes in the eighth, he's just setting up for somebody to pitch the ninth. And like, that's, that's fine. I think they know that Robertson's their best closer right now and they'll use him uh, when they need him. But sometimes that that's not as the closer. Yeah. And they even did that. I mean, going back to last year, they did that with Edwin Diaz and like starting in August of last mm-hmm. year, they started using him in the eighth and um, forget. Yes. I think it was like Ottavino was closing out some games yep. for them. So yeah, yeah, that's what they want to do, and that's gonna, you know, again create headaches for for managers. But um, 
yeah, it was, in, in saves plus holds leagues, the, the, that trio, there's all there's value from all three of them. So mm-hmm. not a big yeah. problem there. I think Buck's just finally learning how to become like a modern manager yeah. and use his closer when he needs to. I mean, mm-hmm. just the whole Zach Britton thing from a few years ago. I think he's mm-hmm. that haunts him every day, probably. And he's just like, I got to use my closer while I still can. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, we had uh, one more guy falling and it's from the same division who was the last guy falling down your ranks. Um, Dylan Floro, because he, yeah, it was, a, he had a rough outing in, in Colorado this past week, but also I think they turned to JT Chargo over the weekend and for a save and AJ Puck started his rehab appearance. So, you know, I was getting a little bit weary, worried with Floro pitching. He was pitching really well in the, in the role. I was starting mm-hmm. to wonder, you know, is Puck going to be assured yeah. of that closer role when he comes back? But I, I think, you know, after that past week after this past week this past weekend that's a a yes (laughs) i I think i think puck should be okay he should get he should get right back into that role when he returns Mm -hmm. hopefully next week so yeah i guess we could also put pierce johnson on the down list after today and after the past week and the whole year but um what i i don't really know you know i don't really know where they can even turn to there because there's some interesting like justin lawrence and jake bird are kind of interesting but I guess it's better than Pierce Johnson, but I don't, it doesn't, you know, I wrote like, it's, it's, it's the Rockies. They're not going to turn to those guys. If they turn to anyone, it's going to be Daniel Bard or Brad yes, Hand. Sir. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I would not be surprised if Daniel Bard is the closer next week. Um, he, he's got a sub he's, one ERA, but <laughs> he's not right. Estimators. Yeah. Yeah. He is, he, he's not back. He's still throwing like 94. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's uh. It'll be interesting to see how they do that. I don't know if they've been waiting this whole time because they want him to get like his confidence back or they mm-hmm. also see that, but I don't know. I don't think it's it's fair to speculate on what yeah. the Rockies are doing because none of us have the brain capacity to put ourselves <laughs> in their shoes. Um, it's pretty all over the place. But yeah, Floro's a good call. Started off well, but you know, he's a he's a Toby reliever. He's gonna get yeah. trounced every once in a while. And I think Puck's got that job as soon as he's back on the mound, but that'll wrap up our rundown of Rick's closing time rankings. If you'd like to go read the whole piece, go over to pitcherlist.com. You can also read his weekly holds rankings as well as his weekly save plus holds rankings, which will come out accompanying this podcast. But now we'll move forward to the meat of the show, looking at some stats after the first two months of the season are through, we're like a third of the way now, which is crazy. Yeah. I feel like the season's been going by pretty fast. Maybe that's because I'm a really busy outside of baseball, but uh, yeah, it's been, it's been fun and we've got some uh, leaderboards to go through. Did you have one that you wanted to look at first or should we just run down the list of what we got? Uh, we can, we can just run down the list. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's just do All it. right. Well, I, I said this on the last podcast and it was, I said it was probably like one of the nerdiest things that I do. And it's <laughs> like being obsessed with strikeout and walk percentage. Like I just mm-hmm. love, they're so simple. I just love those stats and that makes strikeout minus walk rate. One of the best stats in all of baseball. I, it just, you can evaluate hitters, pitchers, starters, relievers, anybody. And I, I think it, it all tells you all different kinds of stuff based on those guys. But let's look at these strikeout minus walk rate leaderboards. I mean, it's a who's who of some of the best relievers. Then you have a little, sprinkling of uh some surprise names i mean obviously top of the leaderboard jose alvarado he had he didn't walk anybody before he hit the il but then you got some of the best closers in baseball alexis diaz david bednar and felix bautista rounding out the top four and then at five i think is the first really interesting name in joe kelly 
Yeah. Um, I, you know, I didn't realize how good he's been this year mm-hmm. until last week. And I jumped, I, you know, threw him way up the board, up the, up the ranks. And he proceeded to give up, I think, five runs this past week. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, he's the strikeout to walk ratio. 34.4% strikeout rate. I think 1.6% uh, walk rate. I mean, that means he probably only has one walk on the year, maybe two. Um, yeah, it, it's, you know, his stuff is still great. It's just he had a ton of bad luck last year. I know we talked about it, with, you know, entering the season about, you know, what, what, what relievers can maybe expect a bit of a bounce back this year. And Kelly was definitely on there. I didn't yeah. expect him to be like this this dominant right now, but like I like I mentioned, this White Sox bullpen does have some really interesting pieces, and Kelly's one of them with um mm-hmm. you know with his stuff. So never been yeah, never had never been a guy to not have you know dominant stuff. It's just you know location and just you know being you know, being locked in on the mound. Yeah, I mean his stuff has always been really dominant, but somehow it's gotten even more dominant this year. He's throwing his sinker harder than ever. He's up to ninety eight point seven miles per hour with the sinker, which is crazy because he was already like a hard thrower. And then on top of that, you're throwing harder and reducing your walk rate to a career low by so much. This was a guy who was like over ten percent for his career in terms of walk rate, and now he's down under two percent, which is like the top 99th percentile in baseball. So that's, that's really bonkers to see those paired together. So I think this is a guy that's sort of must roster in holds leagues right now. I think he's yeah. going to be up there in, uh, in all the metrics that are important in, in those leagues. And so that, that's a really interesting name right there. And uh, the, those four closers that we mentioned before Diaz, Alvarado, <laughs> Bednar and Bautista, I think uh, not much more to say about them, but it is important to say that, you can trust those guys. They're going to be yeah. good all year long. And then uh, moving down the list a little, we've got a, a couple of guys that are so, sort of breakout names. I think uh, R- Brian Abreu had his breakout last year, but he's sort of continuing in, continuing it into this year. And then we have guys like Yenye Cano and Mark mm-hmm. Leiter Jr. who have sort of come out of nowhere for their respective teams and become some of the more dominant relievers in baseball. And then the list rounds out with uh, e- even more interesting names. Uh, I'm going to let you take your pick on who you want to talk about here. Well, yeah, I mean, Chris Savinsky makes it on the K, the, the top 12 of the or top 13 in the strikeout mm-hmm. to walk ratio because he hasn't walked anyone. Uh, so that's definitely good to see him there. Mm-hmm. Um, Phil Maton, I mean, looking at his numbers, uh, yeah, yesterday, writing up the whole double, like he is, he has absolutely been nasty this year, and he's was one of those guys, kind of like a Paul Seawald. He throws that like that gyro that gyro fastball where he only tops out at like 89 but he just gets weird funky spin on it at the top of the zone and hitters can't hit it and his curveball is really good um he's been i mean yeah that that, that again that astros bullpen is another great bullpen and he's just you know he's kind of taken over as like one of the top three holds options there with rafael montero really struggling um, but here, here's an interesting one here that, you know, a guy that I liked <laughs> entering the, sh- the year and I think he got hurt. I think he was hurt starting the year, but he's only he's only thrown 17 innings. And by the way, all of these um, leaderboards are based on at least 10 innings pitched. But okay. so we have for the top f- top five in strikeout, just strikeout percentage. We'll, 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 we'll don't worry about walks right now. Alexis Diaz, Felix Batista, Jose Alvarado. 
Brian Abreu and Matt Brash are the, in the top five. There's one other reliever that has a 40 plus percent strikeout rate this year. Steven Oker has a 40.6 percent strikeout rate this year. Um, that's you know, PLV definitely, called it. <laughs> definitely impre- impressive. I definitely I, you know i moved him up the list there's again that's another bullpen that kind of has tanner scott's been throwing really well lately and i kind of like who oscar brazabon as well i know we scuffled li- recently but uh ochre is you know a fun you know just a fa- simple fastball slider guy but he's he's always had pretty good strikeout numbers um you know walk rates a little high but i i'm definitely intrigued i wonder if the marlins fall out you know of the playoff race he could be a really interesting trade target, maybe him or Scott, but uh, Okert's definitely one of those more underrated relievers to look at, especially in deeper holds leagues. Yeah, definitely. That's a great call. We mentioned him before the season as a guy that PLV, the PLV yeah. projections had as like a That's what it was. Yeah. sneaky good guy. And we were like, oh my gosh, where is this coming from? But okay. And uh, yeah, it looks like it was right there. But uh, yeah, you mentioning Brash is also pretty interesting mm. because he's been really, I don't know, can you say unlucky? I mean, the whip's mm-hmm. really high, but I, I would say that if you're looking at strikeout minus walk rate as sort of a predictor of success, <laughs> He's been really unlucky. He's got a four and a half year a one six two whip, but he's striking out forty one percent of batters and only walking eight percent. Yeah, I mean, if we and we'll, we're gonna get into um, Sierra XFIP, some ERA predictors coming up next, but uh, yeah, Abrash is still he's top. Uh, yeah, he's top six with Sierra with Sierra with a two point one five Sierra, and you know the XFIP's not far behind. Puts mm-hmm. him at seventh, two point two four. So yeah, it's I think it's just been really unlucky for him, and every other metric just shows that he is you know a truly dominant reliever. And yeah, uh, it's gonna be interesting to see you know Andres Munoz coming back soon. What uh what Brash if Brash is gonna be able to have any sort of you know holds you know viability. Yeah, I mean, that bullpen seemed super deep last year mm-hmm. with a bunch of unknown names, and now it sort of does it. Yeah. like Now it's sort of like, all right, we have all these unknown guys, but nobody's really standing out as much. I mean, like Justin Topa and, and Trevor Gott have been good this year, but I don't really believe either of them are going to be dominant guys throughout the year. I mean, I have a history of knowing how uh, good Trevor Gott was. Wasn't he on the Giants? Wasn't he really Yeah, bad? he was. He was their closer yeah. for a minute. Yeah. Uh-huh. That he had four saves and a <laughs> yep. ten ERA, nice, <laughs> yeah. And and Topa doesn't strike out a lot of guys, so I think that's a lot of batted ball luck. And then you just have like other random dudes there. So I feel like Brash could definitely be the number two or number three guy there, especially if they take it easy on Munoz coming back from injury. Definitely a guy to watch, especially if you know, like you said, those ERA estimators are right. Yeah. He's going to have a good stretch going forward. But since we mentioned the ERA estimators, let's move on to those. We got Sierra and XFIP. And I think these are always the two that I look at. Sierra is skill independent ERA and XFIP is expected fielding independent pitching. No idea how these are calculated differently. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I don't think it matters. I think they both sort of do the same job. Um, the thing is, the way, the way that things these things work is they play off strikeouts and walks. So the strikeout mm. minus walk rate leaderboard is basically the Sierra and XFIP leaderboards. So a lot of the same names. Is there anybody on here that sort of sticks out outside of the guys <laughs> that we already mentioned? Um, 
Yeah, it's it's interesting to see Ian Hamilton of a two point two nine xFIP uh, when he gets back. Um, that'll be interesting to see where he slides in. I love you know Colin Holderman's been a breakout holds option. Um, two point five zero xFIP is good for twelfth best among relievers with at least ten innings pitch this year. And yeah, Keenan Middleton rank you know making the top fifteen with a two point six two xFIP. Um, but you know I I want to you know. Mark Leiter Jr. He was also he ranked well. He ranked tenth in strikeout to walk. Ranks tenth in Sierra with a two point four one Sierra. I I know Mark Leiter Jr. is having a breakout year. It just I didn't realize I didn't I don't think I quite realized like how good he really has been. And I know he's he's had a couple you know meltdowns lately. And I'm I'm not quite sure if he's you know the closer of Chicago of Alzale pitching you know kept grabbing some saves mm-hmm. lately, but. Uh, yeah, a lighter junior. I mean, that's that's got to be that that breakout's a little bit for real at least because you know these numbers back up is what he's been doing. Yeah, and it's not like it was just like an out of nowhere thing. It comes with a a significant yeah. pitch mix change. I mean, he was like a changeup guy last year, and now he's a splitter guy. I'm not sure if that is like an actual thing where it's like, do they actually know if he was throwing a splitter before or if it was just like a slightly small change in his mm. in his grip on on the off-speed pitch but it has turned in a lot of success i think the the splitter this year has a plv uh terrible one <laughs> never mind i was about to say the splitter <laughs> was going to have like a way better wow. plv but I, I was proven wrong there um but it's still been really good 32 percent csw that's in the 76th percentile for splitters and then the change up last year which was used about the same amount of time was also a 32 percent csw pitch so yeah uh, uh, another thing with him too is like the the you know it's kind of not on the same degree but like Evan Phillips make big change last year was adding a cutter to to mm-hmm. you know to get lefties out and that's kind of he's only throwing at fourteen point two percent of the time lighter this year but that that cutter addition has definitely helped against lefties as you know a second pitch he can use outside of the the splitter as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he would be a, a much bigger name if he wasn't like 32 years old and only had yeah. two saves. Uh, the Cubs are just really reticent to use anybody as the clear cut closer there. I think there will come a time that somebody emerges as the guy there. Mark Leiter Jr., though, definitely standing out on the leaderboards for Cubs pitchers. Um, but yeah, those are the XFIP and Sierra leaders. But before we look at some swinging strike rate leaders and a couple CSW guys, and we wrap it up with who's that closer, we're going to take one more break. All right. And we're back. Jake Crumpler here with Rick Graham talking about relievers, looking at some leaderboards on fan graphs. We've got a uh, swinging strike rate leaders. Uh, this is always a fun stat because this is I feel like this is sort of like the dominant stat, the the guys who are mm-hmm. the most dominant. I think swings and misses are really uh, a, a good figure to measure somebody's dominance. I think CSW sort of does the same thing. Obviously, you're factoring in called strikes, which can really change what the leaderboard looks like. But swinging strike rate is definitely an interesting one. And I think right, right away in the top five, somebody jumps out, and that's Brock Stewart. <laughs> yeah, that's a... Uh, that's a- <laughs> Very interesting one that you know I did I didn't really be, become aware of until last week or the week before, but you know what mm-hmm. what he's been kind of able to do. That's I mean I haven't heard that name since he was on the Dodgers back. You know it, yeah you know as like kind of like an up and down starter fringe guy. So yeah, that's an interesting. The Twins have kind of been a 
bit of a they've been able to you know make some interesting like pitch pitch mix changes and just they've been able to get the best out of relievers in the past so i think stewart might be their next um their next kind of guy that they they turn into a to a really good reliever here it's going to be mm-hmm. interesting to see how how long you can keep this up i don't even know if it's a pitch mix change outside of uh him just throwing way faster i mean as a well, yeah, starter back yeah. in 2019 he was throwing like 92 he's averaging 97 now with his four seamer which is a huge change even his cutter comes in at 93 miles per hour he throws a slider and a changeup as well so i think that's the biggest thing is you know, coming out of the bullpen, moving to a new franchise. I think they, they helped him figure out some new stuff with the velocity. The big concern here is the walks. Clearly, yep. he's throwing a lot of pitches out of the zone, and that's why he's getting so many swings and misses. He's getting a lot of chases, but he's walking 16% of batters. And I think once once uh, hitters catch on and they're just like, oh, wait, let's just mm-hmm. not swing, and then he's going to get himself into trouble, I think we'll, we'll see – like every, everything come around there, but it is interesting to see him be so, so, so successful thus far. He had a really long scoreless inning streak as well. And his hometown is normal, Illinois. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, um, yeah, you're right about the walk rate now looking at it. And it's, it is, his four seamer has a 55% whiff rate, which isn't, uh, that doesn't seem sustainable even at 97 no. miles per hour. And, and then looking at the heat map, it's, it's a little bit all over the place. So yeah, it's, uh, but definitely, you know, an interesting name to keep an eye on. Maybe he can shore some things up there and, you know, lower the walk rate and start locating better with that stuff. Then it, then it could really play play up more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, we, we have a bunch of other sort of unknown names as well. As much as Brock Stewart is unknown, Taylor Saucedo might be even <laughs> more unknown as a guy that. I, I don't I don't know. My brother the other day, uh, it was a few weeks ago before I moved uh, to a new house. He was like quizzing me. He was just like, oh, you don't know who these guys are. And he just like was going through the uh, available wa- waiver wire and just choosing the random relievers and be like, what team is this guy on? And I was getting them all. And then he said Taylor Saucedo. And I was like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> who is that? Um, yeah. And I got that one wrong, but, uh, do you have anything on Saucedo well, outside of him being a big <laughs> swing strike guy? Well, you were talking about random Mariners relievers who last year, you know, made that bullpen great here. here here's another name. You mentioned yep. gotten Topa and I, I don't even, I never, I haven't even thought about Saucedo until I, until I started looking into this. Um, I don't know, you know, the changeup's got a 53.6% whiff rate. Slider has a 63.6% whiff rate. Throw, he tops out about 92. Uh, definitely, he throws from a little bit of a funky angle. Um, yeah, I mean, it's crazy, too, is for a lefty, he's been, he's faced mostly righties, and he's just been dominating mm-hmm. them, so... Uh, probably a name I'm going to have to put on the list next week and just, you know, as a speculative guy down there and see, see what happens. But yeah, it's that, that's that swinging strike rate is very intriguing. I think he was also, yeah, I think he was up there. Yeah. He hit, you know, two, 2.10 XFIP. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah. there, there's some, some interesting stuff going on here with Saucedo. Yeah, outside of the raw stuff, he sort of has everything to back it up, right? So he gets a lot of ground balls. He's at like 65%. He induces weak contact, 15% hard contact rate. He gets a lot of swinging strikes. And it's just like the only thing is, oh, he's a soft tossing lefty. But like you said, got a funky arm angle. He's got two breaking pitches or two uh, secondary pitches 
and uh, he throws a curveball in there as well sometimes. So I, I think I don't want to call him the full package, but he sort of got everything you want outside of velocity and the way the Mariners have been able to uncover diamonds in the rough. You sort of have to trust them here. He sort of got the good luck going for the first 12 innings, which is sort of hard to like bank on, but he's got a 310 Babbitt. So you can't really be like, uh, he's mm. been really unlucky, really unlucky in that department. He hasn't given up a home run, which is likely the culprit for mm. such a low ERA, a sub one ERA. But you know, the fact that he's getting a lot of ground balls usually means that he's not going to give up a lot of home runs. So I think this is a guy that you can sort of trust as a, a lower to mid tier holds guy. Uh, if you're like really scrounging on the wire in deep leagues, definitely uh, an, an interesting name there that these stats have uncovered. And I think uh, Drake Jameson is somebody really interesting as well. Sort of at the beginning of the season, we were pretty hyped. I think uh, the whole fantasy community was hyped uh, as he, sort of him being the next Spencer Strider, just moving from the bullpen yeah. to the rotation and having a lot of success. But he moved to the rotation, did not have a lot of success, and then was optioned back to the minors. And now he's back in the majors. And is he starting now? Is he relieving? Do you know? He's he's in their bullpen. Um, okay. But I believe uh, he's kind of, he's yeah, he's in like a, a hybrid long. I mean, he threw 59 pitches and got a hold the hold the other day. So it's like, well, you got a hold, but 59 pitches makes me think that, you know, he's going to see a lot of, you know, long work. And um, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting with Jamison. I think that he might be best suited as a reliever, like for the, like moving forward, but I know they don't want to give up on him yet as a starter. Yeah. But, he's like again he's one of those guys with really good two pitch mix that i think in short spurts you know he he would be absolutely dominant and i think you know miguel castro has been pitching well chafin's been good but uh you know i think we talked about him actually earlier in the season dre jameson as a potential closer but Mm -hmm. um i don't know if they're willing to, to to move him up into that type of role yet so yeah. Uh, another name that you know I'm gonna keep an eye on to see what what his role is over the next couple of weeks, but you know those leagues like you were talking about earlier, where starting pitchers, you know, or p- pitchers with or pitchers with starting pitching eligibility who throw mm-hmm. a lot of innings, you know, they can be useful in certain leagues. So he's he's he feels like a league dependent um, guy right now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely be somebody I'm putting on a watch list in my home league. And we mentioned him because according to fan graphs, he is the number one CSW guy, 37.6%. Uh, pretty incredible there. It's, it's been cool to watch. I think he just needs to walk fewer guys and then he can sort of take off from there. But maybe it was that, just sort of a starting versus relieving thing. I mean, that top, that top 10 leaderboard is very very interesting for csw uh not a lot <laughs> of names there, you would expect there's one closer it's yeah i mean robert stevenson checks in at number two gregory soto uh-huh. taylor saucedo brian abreu joe kelly brock stewart matt brash aj puck and keenan middleton at 10 mm-hmm. was so, brian abreu on every single list in the top 10 uh pretty pretty much a top yeah he was. I mean, yeah he was on top 10 yeah. on all of the lists we looked at yeah he's been pretty incredible this year for sure yeah wow yeah, yeah. well uh anybody else you'd like to uh mention before we try to guess a closer <laughs> uh i yeah i mean just keenan middleton too i mean 
20.3% swinging strike rate, which is third best among relievers. Um, great to see him. Yeah, I, I was really excited, really high on him kind of when he broke through as the Angels closer back in. I don't know how long ago that was, but mm-hmm. I remember those days. And then Tommy John, you know, um, shut him down for a bit. But it's it's fun to see him. You know, he's kind of bounced around a little bit since then and kind of reinvent himself in a way this year with the this change up that he's throwing 39 percent of the time. Um always was a fastball slider guy and now he's he's gone to that change up a little bit more it's getting 45 percent whiff rate on it it's great to see and um you know every uh, the the three pitch mix is kind of working for him and i you know one wonder what the that bullpen is kind of busy right now so i wonder if he can hang on to a holds role because if he can he's he's gonna move up into the you know higher part of those ranks very soon Yes, great points there. I think uh, we definitely uncovered some unknown names and sort of announced the uh, top closers in baseball. Um, definitely worth the look at, at this point in the season. I, I'm sure we'll we'll have another chance to look at some of the leaderboards as well later in the season, as uh, we still got two thirds of the season to go. As, as much as um, as much baseball as we've seen, there's still a lot more left. But before we wrap up the show, we always like to do our little segment, Who's That Closer? Sort of a little bit of Who's That Pokemon and uh, Guess the Closer and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to run through some facts about this closer, uh, lay off until the end so that the uh, listeners can take a guess as well. But, uh, yeah, I'll get right into this. This closer played from 2002 to 2012, so he had an 11-year career. He was drafted by the Giants in the 42nd round of the 95 draft out of a high school in Colorado, but he didn't sign because he was then drafted by the Astros in the first round, 17th overall in the 1998 draft out of Notre Dame. He debuted with the Astros in 2002, but he didn't become the closer until 2004. But that began a stretch of six of out of seven years where he had at least 27 saves. He was one of the best closers in baseball mm. during that stretch. His best season came in 2004 with the Astros. He tossed 94 and two-thirds innings that year with 157 strikeouts. That's a lot coming from a what? reliever. He also had, I know, right? He also had a 1.90 ERA and a 0.92 whip with 29 saves that year. He's had 40-plus saves twice, once coming in 2005, another coming in 2008. Both of those years, he was an all-star. He was also Rookie of the Year. He was also fifth in Rookie of the Year award voting in 2003. In terms of Cy Young award voting, he was eighth in 2004 and fourth in 2008. And MVP voting, he was 30th in 2005 and eighth in 2008. And he won a World Series with the Phillies in 2008, and that one might give it away. He pitched for Houston, Philadelphia, and Washington throughout his career in which he had 7.9 baseball reference war with a 3.54 ERA, a 1.29 whip, and 225 saves, which is 44th all-time. Rick, who's that closer? Ooh, man. Um, I don't I don't think I'm right, but I'm going to say, I feel like, the, I'm going to say Brad Lidge. That is correct. That's correct? Okay. All right. Yes, well done. All right. <laughs> yeah, that 2004 season is crazy. I did that kind of threw me off. I'm like, I don't remember Brad Lidge doing like being that. I mean, wow. Yeah. I mean, that was like right around when Albert Pujols ended his career. <laughs> yeah. 
that's all that's like one of the bigger memories <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but he also closed out that uh world series for he the did. Phillies. that's right yeah that, that's that's pretty memorable for me yeah um, the, the 2008 phillies are like that one weird team for me where i was not a fan of the team but it's like ingrained in my memory every single player on that team yeah, that's a that's a pretty. I mean, think about it like up the middle with Utley and Rollins and mm-hmm. Brian Howard. Yeah, I mean, you can kind of Shane Victorino had moments. Yeah, that's yeah. A very. I just remember that whole team. It's really weird. And the rotation was really team. good. Yeah, Cliff yeah. Lee. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Brad Lidge had a, a pretty impressive career. It was short, but uh, he had a real nice stretch of dominance there. Yeah. So he, he was a, a lot of fun to watch. Um, but before we wrap things up, which uh, bullpens or relievers are you watching this week to see if we got closer roles, changing hands or, or just guys you want to keep an eye on? Yeah, I definitely want to keep an eye on, you know, Hen- Liam Hendricks, see see how he looks in the next couple outings. Um, the Rays, see if, you know, F. Adam can just kind of lock that mm-hmm. thing down and then run with that closer role. Uh, that will shoot him up the list quite a bit, possibly. Um, yeah, other than that, you know, see. hopefully A.J. Puck can get back next week. I, I want to, yep. you know, that kind of, once he returns, the list... I mean, who else are we missing? For, I, mean, I guess Jose Alvarado is the other one. The Phil, what, what happens in Philadelphia if Alvarado returns next week? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a uh, you know those are the kind of the two guys that are still on the injured list outside of Fairbanks who just went on. Um, that kind of are holding holding up you know w- potential rest of the season rankings here. All right, and I'll be watching the Nationals and the Yankees. I think uh, it's about time Cal Finnegan loses that job, and it's it's Hunter Harvey time. Mm-hmm. And uh, in New York, I think it's pretty interesting to see what's going on there. It seems like Clay Holmes is sort of taking the closer role back, but it's really hard to tell. Both Wandy Peralta and Michael, Michael King have been great this year, so I'll be interested to see over the next week who is sort of the leader in terms of closing out games there. I think they've got a really good bullpen. And somebody deserves to be getting the majority of the saves, but that will wrap up the podcast. Rick, plug your Twitter and anything else you'd like to plug. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at I am Rick Graham. Um, nothing, you know, other than saves and holds rankings really to plug. Um, but yeah, just, you know, getting into the nitty gritty of the season right now. So hopefully, um, you know, these these rankings start you know, there's not going to be so much movement up and down um, as we move forward. Yeah, it's really getting into the dog days of summer. Now mm-hmm. you can follow me at Jake Crumpler and you can find all of my work at pitcherlist.com and crumplerbaseball.com. I'll be coming out with an article this weekend identifying hitters with changing plate discipline metrics and I will be hosting the first pitch podcast across the weekend as well. But make sure to tune in every Friday to the Pitcherlist Podcast Network to catch the next episode of In the Pen. We will talk to you all next week. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. That means your priorities are Vanguard's too. 
So whether you're planning for retirement or trying to save up for your next big adventure, Vanguard will work alongside you to set personalized investment goals. That's the value of ownership. All investing is subject to risk. Vanguard is owned by its funds, which are owned by Vanguard's fund shareholder clients. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.